Welcome to episode three of the Soldiers of the Immaculate podcast. This episode is being recorded on Friday, January 12th, 2024. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most compassionate Virgin Mary, it never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O Virgin, O Virgins, O Mother. To thee did we come before thee, and we stand sinful and sorrowful. Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer them. O Lady of Fatima. Pray for us. St. Joseph. Pray for us. St. Francis and St. Pio. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, last time, Father, we talked about the morning offering and the importance of consecrating and devoting yourself to the Holy Trinity. You said this morning or this evening you wanted to talk about uh, the morning offering and how it relates to Our Lady. Yes, uh, this is, after the God and the Holy Trinity, the most important thing next is in our morning offering to make a morning offering to Our Lady. And for those of us that are consecrated to Our Lady, which I advise everyone to consecrate themselves to Our Lady, which we could talk about, that you renew your consecration, and it's very important. So Our Lady is, of course, the Mother of God. The Mother of Jesus Christ is the second person in the Holy Trinity. And Our Lady comes, uh, Our Lord comes to us through His Blessed Mother. And so St. Louis de Montfort says, and, and that our, our Lord wants us to go back to him, to give ourselves to him totally through his mother, the way he comes to us. And uh, it's, it's a really beautiful thing. And Our Lady is one of the titles that Our Lady has is she is the mediatrix of all graces. And this is so, so important in our morning offering. You know, we're, we're worshiping God. And we want to serve him. And we need graces to do that. We need graces to be faithful Catholics. We need graces to overcome all this opposition in the world and in the church. We need graces not to despair, uh, that we can grow in the theological virtue of hope, faith, and charity. And so she, you know, we want to say she's like the bank. She has all the money. She has all the graces. Because when our, our, the angel came to Our Lady, she, he dressed a hail full of grace. So all the graces that Eve lost for her children, our God has given to his mother to distribute these graces. So the fathers of the church tell us, and the saints talk about how Christ is the head of the mystical body. Those that are baptized in this church uh, make up the body. And then what connects the head, Christ, to the body, those of us that are baptized in the church, is the neck, right? And the nexus, so she's the nexus. She connects us to Christ. And so that every grace that we receive from the moment we come into the world to the moment we die is comes to us through the Blessed Virgin, a mediatrix of all graces. And in that beautiful apparition with uh, the miraculous medal of Catherine Labaret, when she had her hands out and all the beautiful rays were coming out of her hands, and she said, Mother, what are those rays, those beautiful rays? And she said, these are graces I want to give to my children, but they don't come to me. And so this is what part of this, this morning uh, offering to Our Lady that we beg her for the graces that 
to fulfill our obligations as a Catholic, number one, to live our baptismal vows out, that we never deny Christ, that we beg her, you know, that we won't fall into any sin, not only mortal sin, but even venial sin, that we want to be alert, you know. But those graces she has, and and it's just it's so awesome. And Our Lady, it's in, you know, she's in. Uh, we we first she's first mentioned in in the Bible in the first in Genesis chapter three. Uh, you know, uh, I put enmity between thee and the woman between her seed and your seed. You know, uh, you shall strike at her; she shall crush your head. And this is Our Lady, and so Our Lady's on the first page of Scripture right to the very end, the the Apocalypse. Uh, the woman clothed with the sun. And, and and this is important. So she has, she, her and her seed crushes the head of the serpent. And so we want to be under the mantle of Our Lady because uh, this is how God chose to redeem mankind. When men fell, when Adam and Eve fell into original sin, it's the sin of Adam, really. But Adam and Eve led him into it. The gates of heaven were closed. And uh, and so the only, and God saw fit that the way He would save the human race would be to send the sec His Son, the second person of the Holy Trinity, uh, to take flesh through the Immaculate, the Virgin. And so God prepared her from all time to be the Immaculate, and that through her He would bring salvation to the whole world. And so as a co-redemptrix, Our Lady has she participates in the salvation of all souls, all souls, all souls. And so there's not one soul in the world, whether they believe she's the mother of God, whether they believe she's a mediatrix of all graces, whatever actual graces a Protestant gets, a Jew gets, they get it through Our Lady. And this is what's so sad, especially about Protestants. They have almost a hatred for Our Lady. Uh, some of them do, maybe not all, but they don't recognize her role. And so the one that has all the graces for you, if you're going to mock her and uh, speak badly of her, you're not going to get the graces you need. Uh, but anyway, so I'd like to just read, because St. Maximilian Colby advises us to do a consecration to Our Lady. So does St. Louis de Montfort. They should be two doctors of the church for Mariology, the two greatest Mariologists. And uh, an act of consecration, uh, consecration is where is, is a, a consecration means to be set aside for something sacred. And so when we consecrate ourselves to Our Lady, we imitate Christ because he, he comes to us once again through his mother. And that's how he wants us to go back to, to him through his mother. And so we're imitating that, and our Lord, in His human nature, He was dependent on His mother for all everything, you know, for you know, for life. And you know, she fed him like a, like all babies are fed. She took care of him, and so He wants us to be totally dependent on her in imitation. And when we do this, uh, the devil hates it. He really does because once. I didn't finish before, like I said. So God chose, he could have redeemed the world in any way, any way, many other ways maybe, but he chose to redeem it through the incarnation, through taking flesh of the Blessed Virgin womb. And therefore it's the holiest way, the best way to, to save mankind. And the devil hates it because they, 
in theology, there's a Franciscan school of theology that says that the test that the angels had to pass to to enter to stay in it, to receive the beatific vision, because angels are pure spirits, they don't have a body, and they were created in sanctifying grace. They were in friendship with God, right? They and but they had to merit heaven. Everyone has to, and the angels did too. So there was a test. And the test was that God revealed that his son, the second person of the Holy Trinity, would take flesh of the virgin. And 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 then he would take flesh and he would die for our sins. And Satan, Lucifer, which is a beautiful name, I mean light bearer, he said, I he said he was filled with rage, filled with pride. He wanted God to take his take on his uh persona, his uh you know, instead of taking on a a woman taking flesh and becoming a human being. And so this human nature is below angelic nature. And he just drove the Satan nuts. He said, I will not serve, non servion, right? I will not serve. I'm not going to uh, have a woman who's going to be a queen. And so he hates the Blessed Virgin from that part. He was kicked out of heaven right away. There was a big war. They were all thrust into hell by saint michael and the good angels and from that way from that day that's it our lord in genesis i'll put enmity between thee and the woman her seed and your seed and so we want to consecrate ourselves to our lady we want to place ourselves under her mantle mantle which we and is protection we want to become part of the militia of our lady so we give ourselves totally to her and he has a beautiful prayer consecration. I want to read it now. This is from St. Maximilian, and it's it's very similar, of course, to St. Louis de Montfort, but I want to quote it here. O Immaculate Queen of Heaven and Earth, refuge of sinners, and our most loving mother, God has willed to entrust the entire order of mercy to you. I, an unworthy sinner, cast myself at your feet, humbly imploring you to take me with all that I am and have wholly to yourself as your possession and property. Please make of me, of all my powers of soul and body, of my whole life, death, and eternity, whatever pleases you. If it pleases you, use all that I am and have without reserve, wholly to accomplish what has been said of you. She will crush your head, and you alone have destroyed all heresies in the whole world. Let me be a fit instrument in your immaculate and most merciful hands for introducing and increasing your glory to the maximum in all the many strayed and indifferent souls and thus ex help extend as far as possible the blessed kingdom of the most sacred heart of Jesus. For wherever you enter, you obtain the grace of conversion and sanctification since it is through your hands that all graces come to us from the most sacred heart of Jesus. Allow me to praise you, O most holy virgin. Give me strength against your enemies. So this is a perfect way to start your day off after we address the Holy Trinity first, address Our Lady, and to renew this, I recommend taking this consecration or doing Louis de Montfort's uh, the same thing. A matter of fact, Angelus Press, I recommend the book. Uh, Max will put it in the notes today. It's called uh, The Consecration uh, 
the 33 day consecration and what it does, it takes all the, all the material you need, it puts in one books because normally you, you would have to have the Bible, imitation of Christ and true devotion. And now it puts it all in one book and it outlines what you have to do for every day. And I highly recommend that you prepare yourself if you haven't consecrated yourself to Our Lady in a proper uh, 33 day preparation and then take the consecration because you want to know what you're doing. You don't want to just do something without knowing what you're doing. And then if you're going to do it, you want to live it. And, and we're going to be talking a lot about Our Lady in this pot in the future podcast, of course, because uh, it's, it's so important to understand her role in the economy of salvation. And so in this consecration, St. Maximilian Colby said there's three parts. There's an invocation, a petition that she accepts us. Number two, a petition that she accepts us as her property and possessions. And number three, an entreaty that she may want to use us in order to win other souls over for herself. It's, it's really, if you break this whole thing down, and I recommend that you read St. Maximilian Colby's uh breaking down this whole consecration and he wrote a whole treaty on this and you could uh, really learn what this is about. So first of all, he tells us that we address her with this title, O Immaculate. He says, because she herself in Lord chose to state her name thus, Immaculate Conception. He goes on, he says, God and each of the three divine persons are immaculate, yet God is not conceived. The angels are immaculate, but even in them, there is not conception. Our first parents were immaculate before their sin, yet even they were not conceived. Jesus was immaculate and conceived, but he was not a conception because being God, he existed before time. And the words that revealed to Moses the name of God refer to him, I am who am. That is the one who already exists, and has no beginning. All other people are conception, yet a conception stained by sin. Only she is not merely conceived, but conception. And what is more, immaculate conception. That name contains many other mysteries that will be revealed in time, for it marks the fact that the immaculate conception belongs in some way to the very essence of the immaculate. That name must be dear to her, for it indicates the first grace she received in the first instance of her existence, and that first gift is always the most welcome. This name, then, was fulfilled throughout her life because she was always without sin. So she was so full of grace, and God was with her always and with her to the point that she became the mother of the Son of God. And so we're talking the Immaculate, how holy, immaculate she is. She was free from sin because Adam and Eve, once again, they were born without original sin, of course. They were born in sanctifying grace, but they weren't conceived. And because of that, sin comes in the world when they committed the great the mortal sin, when they disobeyed God. And so God, what he does is he uses the very means that Satan uses to try to conquer the human race and, and, and to mock God. And so what does it do? In the garden, Satan comes. He's an angel, he's a fallen angel. But now God, 
reverses that. He sends a good angel now to the virgin prepared from all eternity to be the mother of God. And so a lady, uh, now a good angel, Gabriel comes to her, uh, Eve listened to the serpent she didn't discern the spirit and our lady she discerned the spirit right away when the angel said you shall uh conceive a son you shall and and his name shall be jesus you know and she says how and she discerned the spirit how can this be i do not know man and then when the angel gave the answer she understood the scriptures right away that the holy spirit shall overshadow you and so our lady does that and then by doing that she overturns the disobedience of eve she's obedient she said be done to me according to your word and she gives herself totally to god and so but when our lady was conceived she was conceived without sin so as saint uh blessed don scotus solved the problem because nobody could solve the theological problems not even thomas aquinas and blessed scotus did he said it was fitting that god could do it uh, and then therefore he did it. it, it and, and, and so a lady, he preserved her from sin. And, and it's, it's, it's just an awesome mystery. So this is one of the reasons why we want to consecrate, renew this every day. Because she has the graces for you to save your soul. Number two, like I said, it's a petition, uh, petition that, that we're petitioning her, uh, and we're petitioning her. Let me get right up to the text again. Say, I cast myself at your humble feet, humbly imploring you to take me with all that I am and all that I have wholly to yourself as your possession and property. And so we're petitioning her. We're asking her that we become her possession and property. We give ourselves. We, we're acknowledging our unworthiness. We're acknowledging in humility that we are sinners. And we can't do nothing without God's graces. And she is the mediatrix of all graces. We're casting herself and, tell, and begging her, who is all full of grace, to take us as her property. And once Our Lady accepts you as a possession and property, it's a sign, the fathers and the doctors tell us, a predestination, a sign that you will be saved. And, and we'll go into in the future what, what uh, you know, signed, what, what's true devotion to Our Lady and what's false. But anyway, so that's what we're petitioning. We say, make of me of all my powers, a soul and body of my whole life and death and eternity, whatever pleases you. So we're leaving our whole destiny into the hands of the Mother of God. And Our Lady knows and, and wants to please God at all times. Our Lady knows what will uh, glorify God more than anything. And so when we consecrate ourselves, we give Our Lady all our works, especially you know when you're in sanctifying grace, all the merits that we accumulate, we give to her. We don't tell her what to do with it. We could petition her, uh, you know, because uh, but we're giving her everything, all our prayers. We give her all our holy communions. Everything we do, we give to her and leave it at her disposal and to use those graces the way she wants. And like St. Louis de Montfort gives that example, and I use it many times, it's beautiful how a king is sitting on his throne and there's a line of people bringing gifts to the king. And the queen spots a peasant in the middle of the 
the court a court there, and she realizes that the, the peasant is all dirty, and he has the peasant has a uh, an apple, but it's 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 not a good apple, you know. And she knows that the king will reject that peasant, so she excuses herself from the king, and she takes the peasant. She takes the peasant, she takes the apple, she shines it up, she puts it on a golden plate, puts flowers around, and then she says, you come to me with the king, the king won't reject you. And that's what Our Lady does with all our merits because we have mixed motives, uh, uh, mixed, they're not pure motives, and because we, you know, we have a fallen nature. And, and so when we give Our Lady are merits. Everything that you do in the state of sanctifying grace, you get merit for. And when you give it to Our Lady, it multiplies. She takes it, it becomes hers now, and gets rid of all the impurities. And now it's worth a thousand, a hundred thousand times more. And we give it to her, and she'll take those graces and apply it to where God would want it, because she knows what God wants at all times. And so there could be someone dying in another part of the world, China, Russia, anywhere, and our, our God may want that soul to save his soul, but they need some more graces. And because of those, those merits that you merit in the state of sanctifying grace, give it to Our Lady, she knows where to put it, and that soul can be saved. And when you live out this consecration, you're going to be shocked when you get to heaven because you're going to see all the souls that got there because you cooperate with the mother of God. Now, a lady cooperates in the redemption of all people, all human beings that make it to heaven. Uh, she cooperates with their, that. We only get a, we could help if we're faithful, we save our souls, but we could also help others get to heaven but it's a limited amount, you know, but with Our Lady, she'll take that and really multiply it. So this is an awesome thing because, and she knows how to do it. So these are the petitions that we're, we're asking her to take over, to give every, to use us as she wills. And she will guide you. If you're totally consecrated to Our Lady, she will guide you throughout the day. Uh, she will help you. She will show you what God wants from you. And it's the safest way. And these are, and this is important for too for you parents out there, that you have maternal and paternal rights over your children, and therefore you could consecrate your children. And I recommend it: consecrate your children to the Blessed Mother and renew that every morning too in your morning offering. Go through all your names, the Blessed Mother. I, I, I renew the consecration not only myself, and you name all your children, and. Once again, you have that authority, and, and it's a sign of predestination. And so you'll have much more peace in your life. So many people, when they're having trouble with their children, you know, I always tell them, just give them to Our Lady and say, Blessed Mother, these children are more yours than mine. You paid at the foot of the cross. You are the co-redemptrix. I, I consecrate, I renew that consecration you know, help my son, help my daughter, and she will. And this is all part of your morning offering, which is awesome. And so we're going to give her everything. And so when we do this, you know, we're pleasing our Lord. We're pleasing our lady. He wants us to go through his mother. And once again, in the scripture, it said, she will crush her head, and you alone have destroyed all the heresies in the world. And so when we do this, it's a great gift we give to her, and she uses these graces for the church to destroy all the heresies in the world. And 
there, there's many of them in our life right now. We are where we're at, you know. So we all go, we go on. So let me be a fit instrument in your immaculate and most merciful hands for introducing and increasing your glory to the maximum in all the many strain and different souls. So we, we, we're also becoming part of her militia when we do this consecration, when we do this morning offering. And we're also looking now and the rest of the day, how am I going to be this instrument, all right, to, uh, and help to increase her glory, to bring other souls to the Immaculate who brings them to Jesus? You know, it's just because... So many people don't understand her role. And this Sunday in the scriptures, the gospel is about the wedding in Cana. And our lady, it says the mother of Jesus was there. And then Jesus comes and, you know, at the request of his mother, he performs the first public miracle. And what does our lady say? To She, she told the servants, do as he tells you. And that's what Our Lady always does for us. When we go to Our Lady, she's going to tell us, do as my son tells you. And she she always leads us to Christ in the most safest way. And it's beautiful. But Our Lady wants to use us as her militia. What does that imply? That we're in a war, we're in an army. But we want to be in the winning army. We want to be in God's army. We want to be in the army of the militia. And that when we're under her protection, yeah, you know, when you're in war, there's going to be, we may get wounded, we may take some strikes because the devil is striking at her heel. And St. Louis de Montfort says that the heel of Our Lady is those that are consecrated to her. So we're preparing for this battle, but we're looking to bring souls. I think it Cardinal Newman said the reason why Jesus is not known is because they don't know his mother. Because she's the great sign from Isaiah 7, 14. How will you know the virgin shall be with child? That's how you identify the Messiah. And so the reason why people don't know Christ is because they don't know his mother. And the way to him is through his mother. And I remember when I first came, I was away from the church for 17 years. And when I first came back, I didn't realize, but, you know, I, I had a hard time praying the rosary. I had a hard time praying to Our Lady. I, I, didn't, I never mocked Our Lady, but I didn't have this devotion to her. And I said to my mother one day, she was still alive, I said, you know, my, I respect Our, Our Lady, but she's not my savior, you know. And I didn't realize I had a Protestant attitude at that point in the beginning because, you know, I just came back. My mother gave me the best advice. I thought maybe she flipped out because she had such a great love for Our Lady. She said, why don't you pray to Jesus, see what he tells you. And I said, you know, that's a good, it's good advice, you know, because I was praying. And I was convicted, like, so strongly by our Lord. I knew because I didn't want to do it. But I did it. And I begged Christ, if you want me to pray to your mother, help me, show me the way. And he did. And uh, my whole that was it. Once I gave myself to Our Lady, things really just took off, and uh, and that's what God wants from all of us. That that reminds me of, of a, a story in a sense. I mean, it reminds me of a story that I've heard from other priests as well in the past. That if you truly, if you truly are, are sincere about seeking your your salvation, and you pray for it, then if necessary, God will work a miracle for it. Whether it's to, to to make that happen, whether it's just knowing what's the right truth to follow, or or what is the truth to follow, or how do I have devotion to Our Lady, 
pray for it, be earnest. Don't be flippant about it and say, yeah, show me a sign, show me a miracle. Because God already answered that in the New Testament about the people who look for signs and miracles and don't actually follow things. But if you are genuine, pray for it, and God will show you the way. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. He says, right, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. He never turns away a humble, contrite heart. So what happened, too, is interesting, because when I started really falling in love with Our Lady and I was praying, I thought I was going too far then at one point. So I went to this priest, a Franciscan, and he told me, gave me, he goes, don't worry about it. He says, St. Maximilian Colby says, when you love Our Lady more than Jesus loves, uh, then you could worry. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's, that's unbelievable because, of course, nobody could love to the degree Jesus does. And nobody loves Our Lady more than Jesus does. You know, it's interesting. Somebody the other day told me uh, they were having an argument with somebody because they think that God loves everyone the same the same way. And and the person, and which is kind of ridiculous in one sense, but he loves us the same in the sense that he makes salvation possible for all of us. But he doesn't give the same graces and just the fact that he gave Our Lady the grace, all her graces stem from the fact that she is her divine maternity, that she was going to be the mother of God. And he gave her the grace to be immaculate, to be the, the, the uh, saints say, holier than all the saints and angels combined. But yeah, this is, and, and for you young ones too, uh, when you do this morning offering to Our Lady, what I suggest too is one of the most important things is uh, your, your vocation. Because St. Alfonso Gorius tells us that your vo our vocation is connected with our salvation. And so that God knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. That God knew you before he created the world. And, and, and you always existed in God. And, and God has a particular vocation. That's the vocation of calling for each and every one of us. And, and so to, the grace is for your salvation too are connected with your vocation because he knows your temperament, your character. He knows your flaws. So he knows what's best for you, how to save your soul, whether as a married, uh, religious, or priest. And so I always teach uh, people when you're praying the rosary with your family, for your children, always pray that, that the Blessed Virgin will reveal the vocation that God has chosen, her son has chosen for each all their children. All they, now the parents, whether they pick the right one or the wrong one already, they, they're married, that's their vocation, there you go. But you want to get this right. And that's why people don't realize today there's so many bad marriages. A lot of people never discern to begin with. Well, you know, they were meant to marry or go to the priesthood or religious life. And they said, well, I'm attracted to the, to the to women. I said, well, you better be because you can't be a priest if you're attracted to men, you know. Uh, you know, but that doesn't mean you're called to marriage. So we have to discern that first. And so from the minute they're born, you should be praying for your children that the Blessed Virgin consecrate your children in the womb the minute you conceive each child. And then when they're born, renew it at the baptism. And then from that day on, you pray the Blessed Virgin will reveal that to them. Number two, that they'll never lose their baptismal innocence. But this is all part of the morning offering. And it's beautiful when you want to give yourself 100% to our, because if you want to give yourself totally to Christ, you have to go through the mother. 
And if you want, you need tremendous graces to be holy. He's, she has them all. And so this is that prayer. It goes in detail, but this is what I recommend. And, uh, the consecration. And, and like I said, we're going to be talking about this more and more. We go on in deeper detail, but I want to just start with that, with your morning off. So consecrate yourself to the Holy Trinity, then the blessed Virgin and pray for those things. And I remember when I came after my conversion, you know, I started thinking about the priesthood again. And I was like, oh, cause I wanted to be a priest when I was five. And I said, I got after all this time, you would never still call me to the priesthood, but I prayed and I never forget. I wrote a petition, put it on the statue of Our Lady every day. I prayed three Hail Marys that she revealed my vocation. And I, I guess I was stubborn because she gave me so many extraordinary uh, signs that I couldn't doubt that our Lord was calling me. So, and, and next week we'll pick up with uh, maybe with the morning offering, then we will to our angels and the saints. And we'll continue uh, with this, you know, giving you some spirituality here. Well, a couple of points on that, talking about praying to know your vocation. Perseverance is, is really important as well. And I, I say this from my own life, that yet it's it's awesome to hear stories of people who had that revealed to them right away. And either they recognized it or they somewhat resisted and said, give me more proofs anyway. Yeah, and, and I know in my own life, I, I prayed for years to know what my vocation was. And I... I didn't know if I was supposed to be called to the priesthood or the single life or the single life or the married life. I wasn't really sure. And, uh, the, the actual grace of when I realized it was on an Ignatian retreat and it was uh, a priest arguing to me that, uh, I shouldn't say arguing, but we were discussing vocations and he said, well, being a priest would be easier. I was like, easier. You got office hours. You can close the door at five o'clock and go pray in quiet. If you're married, you have, have to deal with, <laughs> I say deal with, but you, you have a wife and a family. You don't have that, that time for quiet recollection, but I was defending it. And it was in the middle of watching the priest laugh at me saying this and me defending the harder path. I realized that that's when it really clicked for the first time. That was, I, I realized that was my path, but it was, it wasn't quick. <laughs> I was, I, that was about 30 when I figured this out. Um, I, I know people who are older than that still have no idea their vocation. Some people figure it out when they're 15. Yeah, well, this is a, this is important because we got to talk about this more now that we're on this too. Because, like I said, Saint Alphonse tells us this: that if we discern our vocation properly, and then we don't correspond to it, we don't accept it. And say you're being called to marriage, and you say, "No, I want to be a priest." You know what he says? He says that it's almost impossible to save your soul then oh not that it's not in almost impossible because it's going to be so much harder for you to save your soul in another vocation and he has a whole track on this and i have a talk on youtube about a courtship and i go into all this about vocations and it's it's just awesome stuff from saint alphonse fathers and doctors because do we know better than god God who created you in his image and likeness, and he chose you, say, to be married, and you say, no, I don't want to be married. Uh, it's going to be so, so difficult. And, like, just say you're married, then it doesn't end there, the discernment. Then it's like you have to discern, who do I marry? Because you could go marry some bum and suffer for the rest of your life, but you want to marry someone who's who's going to be holy, someone who loves God, puts God. So the discernment process is so, so important that we, we want. And so St. Alphonse says, pray to Our Lady then to have a spirit of holy indifference, holy indifference. And so 
there's so many things that can happen when you're praying. Like you start reading, you you're gonna read that the highest vocation, you know, is uh, let's say religious life, uh, the priesthood, and then lady. After, but I tell people, no, just pray with holy indifference. God, you show me what you want. You know what you want from me. Show, and He will. Because if your salvation is connected, and it is to you, you think he's going to withhold that from you? You think our lady's going to withhold it? The reason why sometimes it takes so long is because we only a fool guides himself. Sometimes people are guiding themselves. They need help. They they got to go to a priest, too, that, that really believes these in the truths of the church and the gospel and has zeals and knows how to discern whether you're, whether you're called or not. So you know we need we need these aids. You know we wanna we want help. We wanna we want that spirit of holy indifference because in the end the best vocation for you is the one once again that God has chosen for you, and that's it. And uh, you know you talk about marriage. I don't know if I said this already on the podcast yet, but those of you who listen to me, you heard me. That I think it was a little flower where God showed a vision of all these crosses from this little one all the way to this big. Great big big one, and he said, "Teresa, what cross are you willing to f- carry for me?" So of course she went for the big one. He said, "Put it down. That that's for the married couples. Take the little one over there." <laughs> and uh, you know, so it's we the only way we could be happy, my friends. The only way we could have be content in life is that if we're doing God's holy will, no matter what it is, if it's to suffer. So be it. If it, we're all going to suffer, if it's to be married, whatever it is, uh, we want to. What's a saint? One who seeks God's will with all his heart and soul, and then does everything to fulfill it, no matter what the cost, no matter what God is calling them to, uh, demanding from them. And that's when we're going to have peace. That's when we're going to have holiness. Like I, I tell all these young people, especially that you're, you're unique. There's never been, there's no such thing as reincarnation. There's never been another Tommy, Bobby, or Mary, Joe, whatever your name is. And there never will be another one. And that you have a unique role. And like so many people complain why was I born today? Why couldn't I born been born in, the, say, in the fifties when it was so easy to be a Catholic in the in in this country or something? Why couldn't I be born when Jesus is actually walking the earth? Simply because God didn't want it, and it's a waste of time thinking about those things that you can never change. But embrace what God has given us, and say, "Sure, Lord, you know, you know, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do in my life?" And he'll show you. But once again, those graces are going to come through the Blessed Virgin. All right? Yeah, and rather than wondering, why couldn't I have been born another time? How about think about what, what, what the saints of, like, St. Saint, Saint, um, Saint Teresa of Avila and some other great saints of the past envied us in our time because they were given glimpses of the glory of the saints of the latter times and what they were going to achieve simply by standing up for the faith, not necessarily doing anything heroic in the same sense they did. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention too, you mentioned, uh, I think it was, you said St. Alphonse said that if you don't um, pursue the right vocation, it's almost impossible to lose your soul. That's not a call to, um, to, to paranoia because. But know, Max, remember, it's important. He said, almost, if you discerned it properly. So two things there, if you discerned it properly, say you're working with a priest, spiritual direction, you, you discerned it properly. And that's the key. 
Right. I was, was going to say, because in my case, it, it took years for me to figure out what my vocation was. And I was kind of going back and forth. And I was kind of haunted by that line. If you don't get your vocation right, it, it, it it's going to doom your soul. And once I realized that I was called to marriage, it was really obvious once I figured it out. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm not called to the priesthood. And, and so <laughs> I was I was definitely settled. It's like, okay, I, I didn't choose the wrong thing here. So it, again, it really comes back to prayer. And yeah, like you said, um, have, find a good spiritual director. That's, that's a, a big thing. Uh, and uh, without a doubt, because, you know, when you have to find one is, you know, really has zeal, it's grounded in spirituality, knows how to discern the spirits. And, you know, St. Ignatius of Loyola gave us the, the, in the spiritual exercise, the rules of discernment, which are phenomenal. There's nothing better for discernment than those rules. And, uh, and you could, uh, you could read them, study them, and that there's some good good stuff on the internet. There's uh, on the, the, the discernment rules of Saint Ignatius. And if you aren't familiar with those, and you've seen Star Wars, George Lucas ripped them off. Basically, when, when you have peace, when you have calm, that's that's when you're under the influence of the good spirits. If you're under, if you're agitated, if you're angry, or or feeling in any way unsettled, you're under the influence of the dark spirits. Yeah, well, and it changes too because in the beginning, if you're not with God, God will convict you. God will, you will feel guilty. You will feel shame, and God, those are negative, right? But but the devil will be encouraging you, <laughs> you know. But then when you come to God and you have this conversion, now all of a sudden the roles flip. God is giving you the peace, encourage you to pray it, and that the the devil's coming with the temptations, and and you know, so you you got to study them because they they get a little tricky sometimes, and you got to know. So this is what it pays to have, and once again, during these morning, uh, when you do these morning offerings, you pray for this wherever you are that you need discernment, even if you're married and you know your vocation, we're still going to have to discern, as Saint Paul says, discern all spirits. The discernment uh, today that's uh, required for a Catholic is 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 pretty heavy duty, you know, pretty heavy duty. You know what's going on in the church? How do I decide who to listen to? Who's telling the truth? Who's not? Are you studying your catechism? Do you know the faith? Uh, you know, it's not enough just to know the Baltimore Catechism, my friends. God still wants you to be learning your faith so you can. Uh, that's part of the process of discernment today. So, well, and also in marriage, the, the, the path to salvation is through the faults of your spouse. That's, or the, the, the path to purification and sanctification. I, I forget where I read that, but I read that in the last several months and I thought that was pretty powerful and kind of obvious. And well, and, usually, yeah, God draws opposites, right? So, you know, you're, when you're married, usually your positives are going to be your spouse's negatives, like you're saying, and you balance each other out, you know, you, if you were both the, the same, it'd be very difficult, you know? And, uh, and and once again, your spouse, you get married, you're, you're one, you're truly one, and you're, you're an instrument, both of you, to each other to help get each other to heaven, you know? One last question on this general point about the, the, the morning offering and consecration to Our Lady. Is there a particular formula for doing this, or is it just more Well, the less- one I, I just read, well, no, you could, I mean, you could do simple things, like I said. I'm, you got to be careful, as, as me as a priest, I we don't want to lock people into like it has to be done this way and only this way you know what i'm saying there are things that are fundamental and like i said i recommend you know 
in the morning offering, you could just say, you know, blessed mother, I, I renew my consecration to you. If it's done already, you don't have to read the whole thing. The more spiritual we get, believe it or not, the more simplified the spiritual life becomes, you know, because God is simplicity himself, you know. So we complicate things, and everyone's different. There's some people that love to do novena after novena. There's other people more quiet, you know. You know, I'm, I, I lean towards more of a quiet side, you know, and quiet prayer, but these these morning prayers will be it's like anything you know the, you know you remember you know all the commercials you know the breakfast is the most important thing if you eat your wheaties you're going to be strong well in spiritual life the, the first moment when we wake is is very very important and 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 it's going to set the tone for the whole day you know uh and so like last week i gave you prayer from the recalta for for consecrating yourself to the Holy Trinity. And these, a lot of times, especially if you just came back, you've been away, or you, you're just learning these things, these prayers can help you. Because like what I just read, I read you the solemn act of consecration from St. Maximilian Colby to a lady. And when you read that, it's so packed with, with so much theology, so much you can learn from, and you start, it can help you though. It helps dispose you. Like say, look, I'm actually praying to our lady. Um, I'm giving myself to her. You you want to, you want to pay attention to the words you're saying and, and say, I want to live what I'm saying. You know, we want to walk the talk. In other words, we don't just want to be talking. And, and that's why the greatest book, uh, on Our Lady, in my opinion, is True Devotion to Mary by St. Louis de Montfort. And we'll go over this because so many people think they're, they're devoted to Our Lady, but he gives you signs of true devotion and then signs of false devotion. Ultimately, if you want, if you want to really have devoted to Our Lady, you're going to imitate her virtues. That's <laughs> She's the immaculate one. That's that's a tall, tall task, you know, but we we still try to do with her grace you know with the grace of god that we want to and you tell our, our lord i want to you know i want to praise your mother and once again we don't worship our lady but we give her what we call hyperdulia that's veneration above and beyond the saints and uh so once again you could look up the consecration from saint louis to Montfort, basically saying the same things his words like he'll use the word slave we become our slave and so he said, Maximilian, in our time, people can't associate with, because, you know, we're just not familiar with that. Uh, so possession and property, we are. So to get the message, like, we totally hers, totally. Everything we give to her. I think any American who pays taxes understands the concept of being a slave to something. So, yeah. <laughs> Especially in this country. Yeah, that's well, for sure. Unfortunately, the happy topic can't go for the entire podcast. Um, there, there is still mess and scandalous mess coming out of Rome that uh, we need to address, so people don't get um, discouraged or overly fraught about that. Uh, Fiducio Suplicones, it's the it's the bomb from hell that keeps blowing up, I suppose. Oh well, yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's really sad, you know, uh, because uh, for one. We know now uh, another sc scandal has been revealed about Cardinal Fernandez, and I don't think anyone's shocked. But uh, you know, uh, Fernandez, it came out that there was uh, 
and this was reported all over the Vatican, all over the news, and uh, it came to light that Fernandez wrote a, it says, a straight-up pornographic book on spirituality. It is morally allowed, uh, you know, and it's a wicked book. It's I don't know what else to tell people how wicked it is. Uh, it's totally pornographic. It's blasphemy. It's disgusting. And nobody, nobody should read that trash. Nobody should read it. Uh, we know how wicked it is. There are people that have read it. It's been reported on. Uh, and if you're a priest or somebody, especially bishop, they should have read it and they should warn the people. I'm telling you, I forbid you to look at that book because the material is so wicked and so disgusting. It, it is pornographic. It is blasphemy, blasphemous that you don't want to. Take scandal, you don't want it. You're going to, it's scandalous, but you, you know, we got to be careful. We don't want to scandalize the little ones. Our Lord wants, you know, better millstone wrapped around your neck and thrown to the death than to lead my little ones astray. And so you don't want to encourage anyone to read that book. Uh, yeah, so once again, this book is such a disgrace. In LifeSite News uh, reported on Life, it said Pope Francis knew about Cardinal uh, Fernandez X-rated theology book before appointing him to the dicastery for the doctrine of faith. What does that tell you, my friends? He knew about it. Okay, this is unbelievable. It said in an interview with the online Spanish language uh, newspaper, uh, Cardinal Victor Fernandez said that he had warned his fellow Argentinians that there would be trouble about his 1998 work, The Mystical Passion, the second time he was offered the doctrine uh, chief post. I mean, this is like mind-boggling. How can you put a man in charge of the second most powerful in the church? Under, under the Pope, the head of the sacred congregation from the doctrine of faith is the most powerful and important prelate in the, in the world, in the church. But I'm telling you, do not do not read that. Don't ever. And like I said, I I started reading one of the articles and it started talking. I wouldn't repeat the trash that I read. It made me sick to my stomach. I would never repeat that. So children, even adults like yourself would hear. Because once you do that, the devil, you hear that, those words, your mind's like a computer. The devil can you know, or read, bring these things to your mind and can try to lead you into temptation. Believe me, I'm a priest. I hear confessions. So many people tell me some of these horrible thoughts that they get in their mind. I say, you know, the devil comes. He'll come when you're on your knees ready to see the Eucharist and put those horrible words in your mind again. You don't want that. So what you don't know can hurt you. But you got to know one thing. It is just plain, plain pornography. And the fact that this is done by a prince of the church and that he's been elevated to the second most powerful position in the church, it's disgraceful, totally disgraceful. That's all I'm going to say. But like anything, like my moral professor, when you come to stuff that has to do with impurity, when we were studying moral theology in, in uh, years ago, all the moral theology, with, when you started studying as a priest, was all in Latin because it's such delicate material. And so one of the things our professor, my professor St. Alphonse gave us, he was a really holy man. He had these envelopes for each, each uh, seminarian, 
and they were sealed. And he, and he made us pray and then in front of him and promise before God. He says, no, you will not open this until after the bishop lays hands on you. And right before you're going to get in the confessional, you have to study this then. He goes, because it's delicate material on the 6th and night too. And he wanted us, he, he went into more detail to try to help us. And it was like 24 pages of really heavy duty stuff because he can, he didn't want a seminarian to fall into sin. And the same with this, no priest, none of these bloggers should be putting that stuff up there. Trust, trust the word of, uh, the ones that have written it, that have uh, good reputations, and not going to lie, and uh, and even you know, Fernandez himself says, "Oh, I was only thirty-six. I wouldn't write that today." Well, thirty-six, you're mature, you're a uh, man, young man, and uh, you're supposed to be a man of God, and you want to talk about your mind being in the sewer. How many souls? Is only one that could write that is from hell. Trust me. Only one that could write trash like that. He's not filled with the Holy Ghost. He's filled with Satan. And he's trying to take souls to hell. And what does that tell you that he was promoted to this? It's just unbelievable. It's I I, I just blows my mind. And now in it uh we it came out that clergy at St. Peter's Basilica, St. Peter's will bless same-sex couples. According to a report in the Italian newspaper today, the arch, archpriest of Rome, the most famous church, uh, Cardinal uh, Gabber, uh, Gambetti, has stated that blessings of homosexuals, homosexual couples could happen there to show the world the maternal face of the church and along the lines of what Pope Francis has asked for. This is from a cardinal. Make so now they're gonna they're gonna put this they're gonna be blessing couples in St. Peter's, but a priest like myself cannot go into St. Peter's, the greatest holiest basilica on earth, and offer the Trinitine Mass. <laughs> hey, Pope Francis desecrated three years ago Basilica of St. Francis or St. Peter, excuse me. With the Pachamara, they, in the first they desecrated the gardens, then they desecrated St. Peter's. They had, a, they had a procession with the Pachamama, false idol. And there's idiots out there that try to defend that and say it's not an idol. It's an idol. And that's false worship. And so now, now you're going to be blessing. We're begging God. We're, when the church, he's begging God, Pope Francis then to send lightning bolts from heaven like he did, you know, fire and brimstone from heaven to destroy St. Peter's. That's what he's begging him to do. And believe me, my friends, there's prophecies that the Russians will put their flag on top of St. That, that Peter's at Rome will be destroyed. I don't know that the Russians could do much of a better job of destroying St. Peter's than Bergoglio is doing himself. You know what? If they want to, they're probably saying what you're saying. We don't have to do anything. You know, it's like, you know, the communists are very smart. You know, they said, you know how they said they would take over America? They wouldn't have to fire a bullet. They'll just uh, infiltrate the school system. And what did they, what do we have in America now? Communism. Communism. Total. It, it, uh, we, 
this is not a republic no more. There's no democracy here. We've lost our rights, and people don't even want to acknowledge that. And speaking about that, Pope Francis continues on his way to reject uh, to reject truth and to promote errors. That's all he does. And so in the in LifeSite News, once again, they report him from Rome that the Vatican was hosting a Marxist Christian dialogue group at the Vatican on this past Wednesday. Pope Francis says today, he I quote Pope Francis, he said, today in a world divided by war and polarization, we run the risk of losing the ability to dream. We Argentines say, he says, don't back off. Don't back off. This is my invitation to you as well. Don't back off. Don't give up. And don't stop dreaming of a better world. What? What? This is absurd. Communism is straight from hell. Straight from hell. Communist, you become a communist, you become an atheist. Hopefully it's, it's, it's satanic. And he's telling them, don't give up, don't back down, continue globalization, continue to strip man of his rights that God has given them to own property, to a sovereign country, to have borders, continue to push this stuff to destroy the world so that so that the ant the prepared a way for the Antichrist. That's what he's saying. Pius the eleventh, and they in the article was good. They quoted from the Divini Rentoris. It's, it's, I quote Pius XI, says, Communism is intrinsically wrong, and no one who, who would save Christian civilization, and no one who would save Christian civilization may collaborate with it in any, in any undertaking whatsoever. Those who permit themselves to be deceived into lending their aid towards the triumph of communism in their own country will be the first to fall victims of their error. And the greater the antiquity and grandeur of the Christian civilization in regions where communism successfully penetrates, so much more devastating will be the hatred displayed by the godless. And that's the end of that quote. I mean, look what this great Pope, uh, Pius XI, is saying. It's intrinsically, basically evil communism. It's in no one, but no one, he says, who would want to save Christian civilization may collaborate. So why is Pope Francis collaborating with it? Why is he pushing communism, socialism? Why is he pushing uh, globalism, but attacking truth, attacking what's sacred? putting men in the most powerful positions in the church that are perverts and, and evil men. We're, we're, let me tell you something, my friends, and we know we hear about it. how far off can the great chastisements of Fatima be? How far off? And the, all these people that think the consecration was done. Yeah, if you believe that the consecration was done, then you have to say Our Lady of Fatima was one big hoax. And it wasn't. It wasn't. We're coming to the end of the fifth age of the church, according to uh, uh, Blessed uh, uh, Bartholomew Holzhau. And we're listening to Our Lady of Fatima, La Salette. We're coming here, my friends. The timeline is right before us. How long will it take? How much more? Will God's hand be held back? How much more? A lady holds the hand of God back. But how much more? 
June 13th, 2029. I don't, can we, how, I mean, I, I personally, I don't think we could last that long. Well, that's, that's the date. That's the, the hundred years yeah. from her, her apparition saying now is the time to consecrate. But, but okay. But here's what I tell people and, and, and listen, nobody knows the actual time neither do I, but I look at this and I say, look, look what moves God. Look when God comes down heavy with his wrath. And like he told Catherine of Siena, because of this vice that makes me nauseous, that's the most abominable vice, homosexuality, I've destroyed five cities. So he wiped out the whole world. That was one of the big things uh, in Noah's time. And, and, and that's what he says in the And as in the time of Noah, they went about their business like nothing. They didn't expect the flood. And then it came out of Noah. You know, a lot of people don't know. You know how long it took Noah to build the ark? 100 years, approximately. Imagine. So you imagine there's no water in sight. Imagine, you know how kids could be wise guys. They probably came around, throw rocks at him, and look at that crazy old hoot over there building this, this monstrosity in the middle of nowhere. Imagine how he was mocked. Oh, there, and, there's a video online of somebody building a, a legitimate ocean-going yacht in their backyard, nowhere close to the ocean. And yes, the, on, on his video where he's documenting, he's, he's documenting just the building of this thing, but he also catches his neighbors making fun of him. Yeah, Noah probably got it 10 times over at least. Yeah, and so that's what I'm saying. And I always say he should be a patron saint for uh, traditionalists because, you know, we're always told we're crazy, all your conspiracy theories. And he went through heck for 100 years. But guess what? Out of, out of nowhere, that arc, the, the storm came and they were all washed away. And when these great chastisements come, it's going to be known that it's from God, not from man. A lot of people think it'll be a nuclear bomb. I think it's going to be something more natural that we could see this is God taking a vengeance on us. And, uh, you know, whether the earth is going to be drawn off his axis, I don't know. But I'm telling you, when it happens, it's going to happen like a bolt of lightning. Nobody's going to expect it. But how much farther, if he destroyed all those cities, Sodom, Gomorrah, wiped the whole world out at one time. If he destroyed the Greeks and the Romans because of homosexuality, now it's throughout the whole world, the whole world, it's in the Vatican itself, the highest prelates, okay? And, and how much more is he going to tolerate? And so this is why, my friends, you got to take the spiritual life serious. The only thing that's going to get us through this is on our knees, prayer, penance, that daily offering in the morning, you got to be serious about it. You, there's nothing more important than our spiritual life right now. You got to make sure, don't play fast and loose with your soul. I can't tell you how many people walk around in mortal sin. People confess. And I, you know, I tell people how, why, if in the confession, why'd you wait over a month? You're a mortal sin and you waited a whole month to come into confession. And, and I don't get it. You better get serious because, you know, you don't get second chances. When God calls you, he calls you. And and so we want to be strong here. And and if like Max just said, a lot of people hold that. But I don't think it's going to be that that obvious on the, on, you know, 2029. 20, but you know what? That scares me, Max, because you're telling me we got five more years of this. 
how you where where we're gonna go how bad is it gonna get uh worse but the thing that makes me wonder is who are the victim souls offering prayers and sacrifices to hold back the hand of justice that's the thing that surprises me more than the fact that the the chastisement's coming it's like it's almost overdue if it doesn't come soon god's gonna owe an apology to sodom and gomorrah yeah, that's what they say. It's a, But my main thing is trying to get people prepared. This is real, man. Don't take this light. Don't just, because listen, we could all fall into it. You know, you go to work, you say, like, look what happened with COVID, a great example. I mean, it was it was wicked. Uh, I mean, what, what happened in this country, pure communism. What happened in the church, our shepherds, they sold out to Satan. They locked down all the churches when they should have opened them up 24 hours a day. They denied you people a baptism, some anointing. They denied you people the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And thank God, like Society of the Tent, they kept their chapels open. And the people say, oh, can I go to the Society of the Tent? I said, well, they seem to be the closest thing to real shepherds. They didn't shut down. They didn't turn people away during the during the uh, COVID. And there's others too. But as a whole, the U.S. government. And then we talk about this diabolical document that came out for Duce supplicants. Where is the voice of the U.S. bishops? Where is the great Cardinal Burke? Where are you, Cardinal Burke? I want to know, how come we haven't heard you speak out when these, we need your voice now more than ever? We need the Cardinals to stand up and, 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 and call this Pope out because there's many people that are really confused. And we need them to show us the light. And where are you, Cardinal Burke? Where are you, U.S. bishops? I mean, thank God for the African bishops. They just, they, they say, we will not go along with this. This document is heretical. This document is diabolical. Praise God, man. I thank God for those African bishops. And guess what? That's another thing. It's just been announced that the, uh, the African bishops, the uh, conference, they said that Pope Francis and Cardinal Fernandez has accepted that they will not reject, they will not do the blessings. So what does this do, my friends? This brings more division into the church. So if I was an, an African priest or an African bishop, I wouldn't have to worry. But if you're not, you're going to worry. They're going to excommunicate you. They're going to call us schismatics. This is where we are today. This is what's going on. And, and and that's why we have to bring, we have to get serious about Fatima, the the five Saturdays of Fatima, making reparation, making atonement for sins against Our Lady, for sins against our Lord, and 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 for all these blasphemies and heresies. We got to get serious. We got to we have to really do penance. And this is one of the worst punishments. Saint John Hughes tells us that God, the worst punishment, is send you the priest that you deserve, the prelates that you deserve. What's he telling America? Look at the, the pathetic prelates in this in that we have here. Throughout the world, they're standing up strong. You imagine what a message that would be if all the U.S. bishops say, we are not doing it. But guess what? You got Cardinal Supich praising it, saying basically, hallelujah, this is a great thing, you know? No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
This is it. And, you know, they, they look, and most priests are afraid to speak up because they know they're going to take, let them take our heads. It's for God, then. They could take my head. I pray I could die for the gospel if God grants me that grace. What a great honor. But we got to speak up. We need, and this is why, man, uh, this homosexuality is destroying not only the whole world, but the church. And this is why most men, even in the church, are emasculated. That's why most women are, even in traditional uh, circles, run the house, not the man. This is how infiltrated it gets. And once again, he's promoting communism, uh, uh, telling them, uh, you know, promoting them, don't give up. Keep pushing your errors. Keep leading people into hell. Are you for real? We know Bella Dodd testified before the Congress. She was converted by Fulton Sheen. That she alone was responsible for over 1,100 men infiltrating, infiltrating the Catholic Church to take the church down from within. And a lot of them were homosexuals. A lot of them are bishops now. So the U.S. bishops that don't speak up, none of them. Only I think the only one that I saw on the record was uh, retired uh, Cardinal, uh, what's his name? Supich? Not Supich, not that. He's, he's a devil. Uh, who was it? You know, he was uh, from Philly. Uh, Chaput. He, he has spoken up about it, you know, but I don't know any others. Have you, Max? I kind of been staying out of the news as much as possible with all the garbage that's been coming out. Even in Catholic news, people posting full-on copies of what Fernandez put out. It's like, I'm just going to disconnect from this for a while. Yep, that's, I don't blame you for that. You know, but, uh, you know, I don't mean to get worked up, man, but it, it, it drives me nuts the more I see it. And this, this, but Our Lady of Good Success, she told us that in, the, in this great time of need, the ones that should speak out will remain silent. Remain silent. As they say, the silence is deafening. Deafening. And you know what? They're not going to save their souls, these prelates. They promised to lay down their life for the flock. And that's why I always quote Ezekiel. I think it's chapter 34. And I've been reading that for years, preaching. And it's like, woe to you, bishops, instead of gathering my flock, scatter. So what's going on? The African bishops don't, they get off, the, they don't have to bless homosexual couples, but the rest of the Catholic world does. I don't think so. You cut my hands off. I'd never bless a, a couple like that. So what's instead of gather my sheep, scatter them. Instead of feeding my sheep, devour them. And our Lord chastised, he said, I will come and guide my own sheep, he says. And so you people out there, don't give up. And God will, he'll get you through this. If it's not going to be from a priest, he'll, he'll guide you himself. And this is the time because, believe me, the extraordinary graces are coming. And they're out there already. There are many people faithful. And Louis de Montfort, in True Devotion, he talks about Our Lady. I'm gonna, we'll talk about this maybe next week in the latter times raising up great saints that do greater works than the apostles, little ones. And I think it's uh, like your children, Max, generation, those children, I believe that's these, these young ones now, they're being raised up. Imagine in this chaos, this times of heresy, schism, 
all kinds of nonsense, blasphemy. He's raising them up. They're going to be powerful. You know why? Because this coming generation ain't going to have compromise. They don't, won't even know what the word means. They will not compromise. The saints that are coming, they're going to rather die than even commit the slightest venial sin. That's what God's going to be is raising up right now, my friends. That's who he's raising up. Keep your eye on them. They're coming. They're here. I certainly hope Ooh. my kids can live up to that. Well, this is why your job as parents are, are very serious, that you have to bring your children up to be saints. You know, they learn, children learn more by imitating you than they do by listening, all right? Your example, that my father, especially you men, yeah, the woman is so, both men and women are important. They both have their roles. But the father is the leader, not the mother. How many families I deal with, the father won't discipline the father. When you have that switch in roles, you're, 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 they're not going to be great saints. They're going to be compromised. But there are, they're coming up here. I'm telling you, there are. You, I see some of these young ones, the stories I hear, these faithful people uh, that drive two hours for a Trinity Mass. And they, and it's getting bad out there. You know, they're shutting down the masses left and right in America. And you can't get your baby baptized if you want and all right uh, more and more throughout the country. It's bad. And so all you so-called Fatima ex uh, experts, this is the re this is the reign of peace that you're talking about <laughs> from March 25th. This is the reign of peace. I'd hate to see what what war is like if this is peace. I really do. I hope some of you retract your statements and say, you know what? I have I have the humility to say I was wrong. It's obvious I was wrong because all hell is let loose on earth. There has never been a reign of peace. And that's why we have to preach it and beg people. The more faithful, the sooner God will send the chastisements. Uh, any more questions you think for tonight or we're good? Well, we're at about an hour and 15 minutes at this point. I don't know if we, we have a lot of questions. Actually, we've got 10 well, questions submitted. I think but we, we could go over maybe one or two more, bring it to an hour and a half or something. Okay. Um, let's, let's go with one of the easier ones. Uh, says, Father, I've prayed the divine office in five decades of the rosary daily going on 30 years. Do you want me to switch to 15 decades daily or just keep doing what I'm doing? You know, my friend is, they're all saying it. If something works, keep doing it, you know. <laughs> and and like I said, you know, I encourage this is a weapon that a lady has encouraged us. So I still encourage you to to do the 15 decades a day. That's three mysteries. Uh, and I bet you could get it in with the office. I, I have to do the office eight times a day. And I know you can say, and believe me, I'm busy. I, I, my, my phone never stops ringing. I'm helping people constantly. But, you know, if you could do it, do it. But I'm not a big uh, promoter of that because I do it, you have to do it. And, you know, that's not. So the Holy Spirit can can lead people in different ways. But so do what you come. But if you're praying in the office for 30 years already, I say, man, that's a great, that's a great accomplishment. Faithful because you know what? So many priests would are obliged on the penalty of mortal sin to pray the office. Don't pray it. They don't. And it's grave matter. And you hear the stories of priests that when priests 
die, they go into their thing. The first thing they do is shut off the TV because it's still on. And then they they set his breviary to update it because it's never been set. It's sad. It's, I'm not trying to be funny. These are the stories out there. But so if you're praying that, that office every day, I say, praise God, you know. And if you could get the 15 in, do it. But like I said, I, I really think mental prayer is important too. You know, I don't know if you're, if you've been praying that for 15 years, maybe you're retired. If you're retired, what's retirement for? If you're in retirement age and you're not working, God gives you that time to, to deepen your spiritual life, to really say, okay, let me prepare for my death. Let me really d double up, double up. You know, when people come to me and they, their whole life is turned upside down and they're praying a lot, you know what the saints tell you to do? Double up. Double up. We need more prayers now than ever. And you're not praying. You see, and that's the beauty. You're praying the office, too. When you pray the office, it's a prayer of the church. You're praying for the whole church. So it's a beautiful prayer. I would never tell you to stop doing that. Okay, the next question uh, is, in confession, if you have sins from your past life that you remember afterwards and have a hard time speaking specifically about that sin, is it absolved? With the confession of your past life well so if you have a if you went to confession and you confessed it and you and you do remember it afterwards uh yeah it's possible you know uh yeah but that doesn't mean you're not no you should as long as the priest absolved you gave you absolution and you you have amendment of life now then then yeah the sin was conf uh and was washed away and then what i suggest is pray lord you know you could say you know little ejaculation jesus when it comes up say jesus i trust in you maybe he wants you to do more penance for your sins because that's why a priest gives you penance in the confession when you confess the sin a lot of times sins like that could be sins of abortion and it's a heavy sin so part of your part of your reparation is you know carrying that sin and uh but you know surrender but you are forgiven now if you never if you know that you go to confession and I say this week you remember a sin from the past that you never confessed but it was unintentionally you didn't uh it wasn't intentionally that you didn't confess it then you're obliged your sin was forgiven because in your confession when you're absolved i always say to the person too uh, are you sorry for these sins and all the sins of your past even the ones you've forgotten and then when the person says yes then i give them the absolution so uh it's all covered but once you remember sin and if if it's mortal not venial if it's mortal you're obliged to confess in your next confession so that the priest can give you penance to make reparation and atonement for that. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was going to say that this person didn't specify whether the sins in question were mortal or venial, but you, you covered it. Um, one, another question. Um, I saw a, an article on time.com this week that the Vatican has softened its rules for, for Catholics on keeping the ashes of the dead. Has cremation really been allowed by the church? Well, the the new church, <laughs> and uh, it was never it was not allowed, of course, and it's really sad, and uh, that is being allowed. And the first they said is you know it started in late sixties, I think, after the council they started allowing this, and uh, 
they said if you're really straight or really poor, this and that. But no, you know your body's sacred, and the church always wanted uh, you know to you know to be buried. And now they're letting the, the Vatican supposedly too, the sacred congregation, is saying that you could they allow people to take some of the ashes home with them now. So I do not recommend that. I don't care if you know if you have to borrow money to have someone buried and. Uh, it's have them buried properly, you know, in a in a blessed Catholic cemetery. You want that. You don't want to just be buried anywhere. But don't fall into that. Don't don't be getting cremated. And the beauty is at the end of the when the general judgment, when Christ comes back, destroys the Antichrist, in the end of the world, the world will be consumed by fire from above, and all the dead will rise. And that's when you receive your body back. All those ashes will come back into your body and you will be made whole again. You'll, those going to heaven will have a glorified body. If you're in purgatory at that moment, you'll do all your purgatory in, in that. Even if you have a thousand years left to go, it'll, you'll, in that second, whatever, it'll be, it was like it'll be as if you did the whole time. And you're not getting away with nothing. You'll be purified and that will be the end of purgatory. It'll only be heaven. And then all the monsters, reprobates will be thrown into hell. But your ashes will all come back into that body. And those going to heaven will have a glorified body like our Lord, our lady. Those going to hell will have the saints tell bodies like most hideous monsters you could dream of. That St. Bonaventure that says if, if one of those bodies came on earth, if you saw it, it would it would give you a heart attack and the stench alone would kill you. <laughs> so, but no, I do not get cremated, you know. Okay, that, that answers that question. And we have several more that we're going to carry over for the next episodes. And if you have any questions, you can send those to questions at soti-podcast.org. Or if you don't want to remember that, just look in the show notes wherever you're hearing this, and that email address will be there as well. And if if this audio sounds a little bit better, the if Father's audio sounds a little bit better, and you're sure you're sure it sounds better, then uh, we have somebody to thank for that, don't we? Yeah, and I'd like to say special thank you to Nurse Claire out there. Thank you for number one all your prayers and your support, but uh, she was generous enough to donate a, a really professional mic headphones said and I, I guess my audio was so bad she had pity on me <laughs> but keep up the good work out there nurse claire and if you have any other like i said if you have any feedback the email address is questions at soti-podcast.org and i thank everyone too bob max too for for support finance anybody wants to send in donation welcome it i don't focus on that but that's how i survive too and uh to the soldiers of the Immaculate that we continue to do the work and uh, and uh, that's it. And and the link for ad, for sending donations the, or the two links for sending donations those are in the show notes as well uh, if you're looking for those. And then and then what's your group, uh, Max? Your for donations for you? Oh, I haven't advertised that yet, but uh, it's supernerdmedia.com. Yeah. That's that's where you can find a link for donating there. Yeah, that's, appreciate all your help. And, and even more important is your, your prayer because we need prayers to do this and uh, to keep going forward, especially this is time where they're looking to take people's heads that speak the truth. So 
we could bow your head and pray for God's blessings. Pax et benedictio Dei omnipotente, Patri, Filii, Spiritus Sancti, descende super vos, amen.